Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. today with Candace Scott from Showcase Me Casa. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. So we're going to talk today about a couple of topics. And to be honest, we're probably just going to be very organic and see where the conversation takes us. But one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Candice, um, she's actually a solo in the Houston area. She's going to tell us a little bit more about her business. But um, she, I wanted to talk to her about how does she juggle multiple projects and all of the all of the different things that go along with that. It's one of those things that I struggle with and I'm sure other people do too. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. We're also going to talk a little bit about how she's hiring some contract workers to help support her in her business. And if time permits, we might touch a little bit on, um, on installation day. So mm-hmm. Candice, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business and kind of your backstory? Okay. My backstory is um, I was born and raised in Southwest Louisiana, and that's where I attended college and I have a degree in interior design. I graduated, um, I'll date myself, in 2000. And so I I worked for a design firm there. Uh, It was a small firm, you know, mom pop type shop and um, residential design, a little bit of commercial, not too much. And then so I worked there for several years and then I made the big leap to Houston And I was a designer fabric rep for a while. So I traveled. um, I had a region that I covered for fabrics and furnishings and that sort of thing out of the decorative center in Houston. And then um, I got into new home sales. So I sat in a model home and sold like neighborhoods and worked with contractors on a regular basis. And then I was a mom for a while. And then in 2008, I decided just to go out on my own so that I could, you know, juggle being a mom and having my own business and a flexible schedule. And so it just kind of grew from there. And I'm actually in a big transition time in my business right now. So um, I've been in all aspects of design. So yeah. Well, this is good for me because we got a lot to learn from you then today, I'm sure. <laughs> and congratulations on your 10-year anniversary then, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Has it? Are you already hitting that anniversary date or it's already passed? Um, it's, it was August of 2008, whenever I officially, you know, had my business name. So yeah, it's coming up. Oh my God. That's so very exciting. Okay, Candace. So we're going to start with a little rapid fire round just to loosen ourselves up a little bit. I'm just going to throw a bunch of questions at you very quickly and whatever comes to mind first for each. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. What is your favorite go-to paint color? Oh, great. Um, Favorite go-to paint color. It's kind of changed. It used to be Manchester tan, which is a Benjamin Moore color. I love that color because it's actually not that tan. It's kind of creamy. And now I'm kind of in decorators white right now. All right. I like it. Um, Who is your favorite trade vendor? Oh, trade vendor. Hmm, That's a good one. The fact that I have so many at my disposal being in uh, the decorative center. Um, I use Kravit pretty often. So yeah. And what would you say you struggle with most in your business now today? Um, Being a creative and having that creative mind, you are constantly thinking and designing and you look at a space and you think of all these things that you could potentially do to it. But then sometimes you have to execute that. So execution is can be challenging and is sometimes a challenge for me. So I'll definitely say execution of those crazy mm-hmm. thought processes. <laughs> I can, I second <laughs> that one. Okay. So I want you to think back to 2008 for a sec, if you can. Sure. Yeah. And if you can sum up your first year or two, let's say in business in one word or a very quick sentence, what would that be? You think? Uh, super chaotic. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I feel like that's a common one that comes around. And you know what? That makes me feel good about my life. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, you'll figure it out. It just Yeah, I had a baby at the same time, too. Oh. And a little toddler. 
So extreme chaos. Yeah. <laughs> so when do you think I'm going off? I'm, this is no longer part of the questions, but um, when, what year do you feel like you started to get in your groove and you're like, all right, I got this. Like things are moving pretty well. And well, the good thing was the fact that I had already been like worked at a design firm. I was familiar with fabric lines. I mean, you know, whenever you're starting out, you really want to gain those vendors and you want to try and find who's going to, um, work best with your clientele. And so having been in that field as working in a design firm and then being a fabric rep, I didn't feel like I struggled with having to find all those suppliers and vendors. And when you're first starting out, so that was, that, that part wasn't stressful. Um, it was definitely the chaotic part was having kids and trying to juggle and organize and keep my schedule and my clients and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that was, that was definitely a difficult part of the very beginning. Yeah. I can't, I, I know how hard it is even just for me and I don't have any kids, so I can't imagine rolling in a newborn and toddler into the mix. That's like, Oh yeah. Superhero status right there. But who is your design crush? Oh, good grief. You know what? It's kind of crazy because um, I have found, and we'll probably get into this, but, you know, kind of my backstory, and I have family, like my brother was a trim carpenter, owned a business. My dad's um, engineer, like we would do projects growing up. You know, if he wanted to um, change the floors somewhere in the house, you know, I would help him. So I was always his helper. And I have brothers. I had a brother that did framing and roofing when he was in college. So I find that I really gravitate in my niche market is renovations and I get into the really dirty part. So, um, I like, um, what's her name? The Curtis. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, now I'm drawing a blank. I follow her, uh, the Detroit design. You know what? Girl. We are going to circle back to this and what we'll do is you're going to figure it out and then you can let me know after the fact, you can send me a message and we will yeah. put it in the podcast notes in the show notes so yeah. that, I was thinking Candace Olsen when you said Curtis. No, I'm, um, gosh, what's her? Okay, anyway. You'll she, figure it out and you'll let us know. She, she's in that Detroit and does the renovations and gets really into the dirty work. And so I relate to her. Okay. And yeah, I really like the way she works. Okay, cool. And what about, let's see, what's your favorite design book? Design book. Oh, goodness. I have, I actually have window treatments by Vaughn. To- total on my desk right now. Oh, I might <laughs> yeah. have to add that to my link of window treatments. It's like the design directory of window treatments, and it okay. comes in ROM. It's like, and of course, all coffee table books that relate to design and just inspiration and that sort of thing. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So I think it's probably good that we start getting into the real good stuff, the topic at hand here. So the reason I want to talk about, I, I don't know if this is just me. It's not just me. It's never just anyone. It's all of us. We're all struggling. Um, I find that it can be really difficult. And the fact that you deal with renovations, I'm sure puts this at a whole other level for you. But mm-hmm. I, I find it hard to figure out when, you know, you got leads coming in. Leads are calling, not that they're like pouring in or anything, but they're calling mm-hmm. and you already have a full docket and, you mm-hmm. know, you know that you need to tell them, you know, I can only take you on this day. Uh, but knowing when that sweet spot is of when I can start a new project, even though another project's still not t- totally done. Right. Uh, it's just this balance that I, I just, I have not cracked the code. And, you mm-hmm. know, we always want to make sure we're not waiting too long because we want that money coming in. But I also right. don't want to start too soon where... As a result, for me, I found like I try too hard to start projects too soon because I don't like to turn people away. But then Mm -hmm. I feel like I spread myself too thin. And then obviously, the end result of that might be I'm not delivering client, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff as quick as I should be or responding to their questions as quick as I should. So I'm curious, like what your strategy is for for managing that? Well, um, it there are going to be those times whenever the projects kind of overlap in that you do feel like you're spread thin. And I let my clients know right away that I'm always at the mercy of the trades, you know, and I'm very particular on who I use for certain aspects of the project. And a lot of times I need these guys for, um, 
two jobs at once. But what I would really try to do, um, I tell my clients that all my trades are two weeks out. So if I start a project, you know, my framer I may use in the beginning or my sheetrock guy or those kind of those guys, once I'm finished with them, then I can put them on another project, but it's typically two weeks out. And, and I usually only keep about four projects running at a time. I don't like to do any more than that. And if, and you know, you find that toward the end of maybe one project, you're just kind of wrapping up. Like I'm in that stage right now with one client and, and every client's kind of different. You know, you have some that are super needy and some that are like, Oh, I'll be home. I'll let him in. He knows what to do. That kind of thing. And then some that are like, are you going to be here? They want their hand held a little more. Mm-hmm. So in that initial consultation and interview with the client, you really have to get a read on them. You have to really learn their personality, learn their wants and needs so that you know how much you're going to be needed at one job versus another. So you know how to kind of schedule it out. So I may have a big project that I know I need to do a lot of hand holding on and another one that needs to come up. And so I may push that one back another week or so. So they're going to overlap a little bit, but one may be wrapping up and fine tune, but I'm really getting into another one. And I'm in that transition right now. I'm wrapping up one and I did a demo on Monday on another one, but then, so that's a fine line, but my trades are typically two weeks out and I try to start one toward the end of two weeks before I start another one. And then I'll take a few other jobs in between that are simple, like a, a restyle or a drapery treatment or something like that, that I know I can squeeze in. So it's just kind of finding and reading your client, getting to know your client and knowing how much you're going to be needed. And then the distance apart, you know, because some jobs I have to be at multiple times of the day. And if I'm driving 40 minutes from one to the other, you know, it's not a good use of my time. I try to, so I really try to book jobs close together. So that'll help. So I'm scheduling those. Yeah. Okay. And how long, okay. So you're saying you like to, four is kind of your sweet spot project wise. How long would you say it took you to figure that out? And and was it just like, you took on way too many at some point you're like, Whoa, this is too much. Like, how did you get to that sweet spot? Well, Honestly, it's, it's my trades. I have to say that I really, I tell my clients, I hire people smarter than me. So if I know that I have um, my different crews or subs that I'll hire out or use, then I felt like whenever I was at four, I can manage four. But if I added any more than that, then I was thinning out my guys too much that I couldn't have them all these places at once. And I was needed at more So I felt like four was a manageable number based on like the phases of the jobs and the crews and how they're spread out. Just because these guys, I really work well with. And if I did any more than four, then I would need to add more people. Right. You know, so how long did it take me to do that? Um, I would say it took me probably four to six months of just having that many projects at one time before I was like, okay, I can't really do any more, you know? And some of them I did um, during Hurricane Harvey. Unfortunately, whenever everyone went through that, I had three houses in a row. They're literally right next to each other. So oh. I was able to take on a few more. Yeah. So it's, you know, the, the where they are located really makes a difference too, but yeah. And do you have like a software or for planning out the phases of your project? Like wh- how do you do all of that? I'm sure it's not all in your head. Or if you are like you're a serious hero, but is there a program that you use? Like, is there any tips you can give us as far as like how to? I wish I could. I I use Excel. I have a spreadsheet. And so um, I work with contractors sometimes. I usually am the project manager on all my projects. So um, I have, and I went back to school for construction management. So I kind of learned the different aspects of construction and the different phases and having worked in the new home sales, I would meet with my community, um, my area manager, or project manager for my community. So I would know the phases of the projects if I was doing from the ground up build. But um, I use Excel because I have a spreadsheet and it, it shows the phases and some renovations aren't, you know, to the studs. Some are just like a little kitchen remodel. And so I will just kind of break down that schedule. And um, I just try to follow that through Excel. Right. That's funny. I just built out an Excel document to do this for myself. Just, it's just one of those things where I'm, it's like this, I just felt like last year I took on too many clients Mm -hmm. at once and 
my stress levels were so high. I wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping very well. And it's just, you know, I know that I'm not giving the best to my, each of those clients. And it was cause I wasn't charging enough. So I was like, I need more money, you know, like one yeah. of those things, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and learn. but, um, but yeah, so I, I'm really trying to come up with a system for, for figuring out how to, to manage that. Now you're saying you do four projects. So you're four four full scale projects, but then you'll trickle in where you can, because you know, um, like little quick, maybe consultations and or styling Mm -hmm. jobs, right? For sure. Like for instance, I'll have, um, maybe one project that we're painting and he's going to be painting for a week and that's all that's happening in that house. So if I have a week of just popping in, checking on the painter, making sure he doesn't have any questions, whatever, um, looking at his work and then I can schedule an, you know, a new client consultation that week, I can do a drapery install, I can do a restyle. So I try to schedule. It's taken me a while to get to this point. And it's actually even been in the last month that I've had to step back and sort of reevaluate what I've been doing in that I'm like, okay, I really need Monday, Wednesday to be office hours for me. Mondays are crazy. Um, and then Tuesday, Thursday, or like field days or new client consultations. And then Friday is kind of checking on everything I have going on for the week, stopping by any other jobs and just kind of wrapping up that week. So um, that has really helped me to just stay on a schedule because like I said before, you're at the mercy of the trades. And so like today, the plumber calls and says, well, I'll be there at 1130. Then he calls, he's like, well, I'll be there at 1230. I'm like, well, hold on. You know, so you try to stick to a schedule as much as you can. Yeah. And I have to be real diligent about that and then keep my trades on that same thing. So not only do I use my just paper calendar for that because it's constantly changing, but I'll use the Excel spreadsheet to sort of keep um, my phases in order. But, you know, in renovation, it's it's crazy because it always just depends on the guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so do, out of curiosity, cause I don't really deal with renovations being a decorator. Do you have like your crew of guys, do they mostly just work with you only? Um, I have a few, like my, I have a couple trim carpenters, one trim carpenter that does my custom cabinets. I've worked with him for like five years and he will work for me in like two builders. So I know that, and, and I don't, give my trade phone numbers to other people just because if I did that, I would never get my guys. So they're not employed by me. They're all subbed out. They work for other people. But um, I tell all my customers, I treat them very well. I'm very nice to them. I bring them donuts because I want them at my beck and call. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I want them working for me. And if they're good, I can't lose them. I mean, I've been, I've run through, you know, the gamut of painters, but uh, so yes, I do have a few that will work with me and maybe a couple other contractors. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to find, you know, the right contractor? Well, you know, um, it's funny because honestly, there's been times that I've just been driving down the road and I've seen like a truck that says such and such audio. And I just have been needing someone else on my list of contacts to install um, like surround sound and I'll call them and I'll just kind of interview them over the phone and ask them questions of my wants and needs and how my schedule works and just kind of see if we mesh. And if so, I might just put him on a little job and do a trial run. And if he works out and the customer's happy, then he just might be another person on my list. So, and then, um, I found my painter because I was at Benjamin Moore paint store one day and I've built relationships like, you know, certain Sherwin Williams or certain, certain Benjamin Moore that I get my supplies from. I've built relationships with those guys in there. And so, um, when I needed another painter, I went in there one day and I'm like, man, do you have a list of a couple more painters that I can talk to? You know, I want someone that's going to work with a designer and they're going to possibly do a faux finish and they're, you know, not just straight painters, you know, I need someone with a little creativity. And so they'll give me a few names and I'll interview them and I may use them on something small. And then if they work out, then I keep them. So I've kind of run through a few and, um, I don't really give them that much of a chance. Yeah. (laughs) If they mess up a time or two, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, we're, we're done just because, 
you know, it's the customer's hard-earned money and I really have to have them in there showing up on time and doing a good job. And it's taken me a little while to find the guys I really like to work with. So, yeah, I mean, it's your reputation, right? It really is. Yeah. It scares me. I, I, it's hard because I find that what I do is smaller projects. So, and I find Mm -hmm. it's harder to find guys who do good work for like just, just, I just need one little built in, you know, it's hard. And so I haven't necessarily, I, it's hard for me at this point. It's a lot of when I'm talking to clients, Oh, they had their deck built. Oh, were you happy with them? You know, and I assess it and it's like, and then they'll tell you like, yes or no. And it's, if they say yes, it's like, can I get his name? You know, Uh I've done that before (laughs) because at this point it's just, it's so scary for me to think about, bringing somebody in on a project to do something with zero experience when my reputation's on the line. And like you said, they're hard earned money. It's one thing to do that to ourselves, but you know, mm-hmm. clients expect, you know, a certain oh, level yeah. us. Right. So it's, it's very scary, but that's one of those things where, you know, I'm still trying to find, I have like my handyman that I always work with. I have my, like a couple like painters that I work with, but mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes they're just not ready when you need them to be either. So you kind of have to have a few at your disposal too, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so I try to, I call them um, and I keep them on in the know of what's coming up. So I'll call my painter and say, okay, I'm, I need you to come look at a job. And that's another thing. Whenever I'm getting ready to do a job, I will have each trade come in and, and give me a bid. You know, I want them to look at it. Some things I know just from experience on what it may or may not cost, but um, I rely on the professionals for their job, you know, to understand that. So I'll bring them in. We'll look at the project. I'll put my, you know, proposal together and I'll let them know if the proposal was accepted. And I'll say, okay, what's your calendar look like in the next two weeks? You need to put this one on there and that sort of thing. So um, that's part of that scheduling and that two-week process of making sure that everyone's schedules free. The fact that they do work for other people, I have to make sure that they don't have anything else going on. So Again, I'm at the mercy of those guys. So scheduling that and keeping them in the loop of my projects is important so that I can make sure that they're on schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And so how long do your projects normally last? Um, You know, I run a tight ship. So I really like to make sure that I have everything really back to back. So like if my trim guy is not available and, you know, different things have different lead times, you know, like custom cabinets are going to take a longer lead time than if I just do a stock cabinet. Um, So it depends on that, but I like to run, I don't like to have any downtime in between. So that's that scheduling aspect again, to make sure that everything's scheduled really tight back to back and everyone's in the know of the project so that I can do like a four to six week project instead of what would only take four to six weeks because time is money ends up being an eight week project. So, so I really do like you to mean stay- like your renovation from design to end could be four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Okay. Yeah. If it's a kitchen, like I'm like six months. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's amazing. Then you are, you've got it. You're definitely running a tight ship and you're, you've got it very under control. I mean, okay. So that's also 10 years of experience working as well. What did that look like early on? If you can remember like, well, early on, I mean, I probably didn't take on as big a projects early on. And, you know, you kind of have to build that reputation initially, you know, when, especially in renovation, you know, you meet with a husband and wife and they look at you and they're like, so you're really going to like demo my house and put it back together. You. <laughs> you know? And so like, yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, so yeah, it took a little bit of time before I felt like they took me serious and they realized I was legit, you know, yeah. and like, Oh, so you like went to design school and then you understand construction. And I'm like, yeah. And so they kind of find it odd. But in the beginning, I probably did more of like drapery and styling, but I've just found that over the years, it's just kind of brought me to the renovation side of it. But I would probably do smaller projects that was just more or less a face of like maybe new countertops on a, on a kitchen cabinet or bathroom cabinet. It wasn't like a complete gut and start over kind of thing. So in the beginning, it was just that until I built up my reputation and then 95% of my business is referral. So like, oh, well, yeah, Candace came in and she completely ripped out my kitchen and started over. You should use her. 
And they're like, wow. oh, so it just kind of trickles from there. It's like you kind yeah. of build up that reputation and people are really happy with your work and then they recommend you. And so then you're trusted to do such a project, you know? Right. Well, that's awesome. And do you find like right now you have a wait list um, of you already kind of, do you slot in? So let's say you have your spreadsheet and you're like, I, I currently have four projects on the go, so I can't start anything now. Somebody calls you, um, mm-hmm. how do you approach that? Do you take on the consultation right away yeah. and say, you're going to come in and start the project in two months? Like, how do you approach a call during a time where you can't take on more clients right now? I do. Yeah. So I'll take that initial consultation. I'll meet with them. I'll find out their scope of the project and see what exactly it's going to entail. I'll discuss with them, you know, their options or styles. And um, I may even put together a, a little vision board or whatever. And I use like Canva for like a mood board or I'll pull some pictures and just kind of see if we're a good fit. You know, I'll go over and meet with them and, see if they even want to work with me, you know? And then if that's the case and they do, then I'll say, okay, well, this is where I am in the projects. You know, my plate's full right now. Depending on your timeline, if you want to wait for me, then we can start at X date. And I would love to say that they're just on a huge waiting list right now. (laughs) That's not necessarily the case. (laughs) I would love to say that too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I have like a huge funnel. <laughs> no, I know. I, you know what? Like, uh, I wish I could say that clients were like, "Yeah, totally, I'll wait for you too." Like, no, they don't. Yeah. Sometimes they I'll just want to start years. now. Yeah. yeah, they just want to start now, and it's like if you can't start now, they're on to the next. Yeah, not like, usually. I mean, most people that call me are because they were referred by yeah. me. Like right now, I'm working on a client. She's. Um, I did some work for her uh, like a year ago, and then I did her son's um, condo. And then she's like, hey, now we want to do something else. So she's a repeat customer. And so she was willing to wait, you know, but um, yeah. And it just depends, you know, some of them are like, oh, I have family coming in in December. Can you completely renovate my kitchen? And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. And let's move on a little bit too. So Candace was telling me a little bit that you are currently looking or, you know, that's a lie. You actually do work. Uh, contract aside from your trades, obviously you do hire people on a contract mm-hmm. basis to do some things for your business. I, I assume. Do you mm-hmm. want to share with us a little bit about more about that and what that looks like? Sure. Um, so when I when I got back in the business, I say okay. So when I started in two thousand eight, and I was doing just the small you know drapery treatments, you know specifying furniture selections, that sort of thing. Um, I felt like I was comfortable in that zone. And then as my kids kind of went back to school and I felt like, okay, I'm in a transition. It's time to grow. I need to branch out more. And I was really trying to more or less find my niche market. You know, I will be honest, I don't love to restyle. Um, and I work with a real estate agent and he wanted me to help him kind of stage. And it just wasn't the best use of my time. And I didn't feel like it was working. So I still do that on occasion for him. But as I continued to grow and I wanted to get more into the renovations or more into, uh, you know, larger projects and just finding that customer, higher end customer, so to speak. Yep. Um, I wanted to offer them services that they would expect at that price point. So I reached out to some contractor friends and just tried to grow my, um, my network with, having some of my, my, uh, drawings outsourced. So instead of me trying to sit down for two hours when I could be on a consultation, you know, at 150 for an initial consultation, as opposed to sitting at my desk and drawing for 75 an hour, I would rather contract that out. So whenever I kind of tried to transition and grow, I joined um, a group for creative entrepreneurs to kind of get a little coaching and direction of growing. And one of the things she said was, do the things that have someone else do the things for you that you, that's not the best use of your time. So, I mean, it would take my draftsman an hour to do something that may take me three hours because I just don't do that every day. I mean, I know how to use the programs, but I don't do it all the time. And if I can take a few measurements at a job site, a few snapshots and shoot that over to him, he can draw it out and I'm charging for that. And then I'm also at a consultation during that same time. So I contract out that because I found that it's more efficient. 
So my drawings are done by someone else. My bookkeeping I have done by someone else. Um, sometimes I'll do some billing, but I, I use QuickBooks. And so I have a bookkeeper and then I have a part-time assistant that I'll have her make phone calls, place orders on fabrics and check pricing and stock and wallpaper and things like that because it's just not best use of my time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I have questions on that then. So mm-hmm. I I had I was having an assistant come in just for five hours a week for a little mm-hmm. while there. Mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of this year, things were a bit slow. So I just kind of like, she actually right. had a real job anyway. So I would have had to go to the back to the drawing board regardless. But um, I do want to, what I'm trying to figure out now is for purchasing with regards to like furniture, drapes, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I'm trying to create really tight processes for how to do certain things. But right. it's also very scary to think, and I know this is a really bad mentality, but and I'm just curious how you navigate your way through this. It's scary to think about somebody else placing orders and screwing it up. And yeah. then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God. So is that, do you get a bit, are you really good at delegating or is that a struggle for you at all? In the beginning, complete control freak, like had to do everything because I felt like someone else was going to mess it up and I was just going to have to redo it anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I thought back to whenever I was a new designer and I was, you know, the one pulling the fabrics and placing the orders and I would have to learn. I mean, there's a learning curve there. So some things I know that can't be screwed up like this is the fabric or here's the fabric sample, call Kravitz, give them our account number, you know, kind of coach them a little bit, but you know, they sort of figure those things out. But then when I get down to like how many yards I need, I like write it out on a purchase order Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, scan and email this or, you know, so and also having children and juggling, you become like, okay, someone else, please do this. Yeah. I guess it <laughs> so, gets to a point where it's a necessity. You're like, I just can't. So. You're like, okay, just do it. And if we mess it up, we'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a really good mentality. I'm a huge control freak and it's something I know I need to let go of. So how often does your assistant, the assistant work for you a week? Is it on a project by project basis? It's kind of like on um, someone on a project by project basis, but it's on like as needed basis because I actually let her log into my computer, my desk computer at my house from her house. And she can like pull up QuickBooks and do whatever bookkeeping she needs to do. And she can like log into the, our email or Gmail and she can, you know, send and receive emails and check that kind of thing. So um, I tell them like you can get all done in one day or you can spread it out. Just, I kind of say, I need it done by such and such date. And so, I mean, I don't know if it's just that I'm not running a full design firm that I'm, you know, meeting with these huge clients and needing these giant sample boards that I actually need a design assistant. It's more like a personal assistant. So she works for me like on an as needed basis, you know, kind of week to week. Um, I'm kind of spoiled in that aspect that she's available like that. She's a stay at home mom. So she's like, yeah, whatever you give me, I'll do, you know? I was just going to ask you, is it somebody you knew before or no? Yeah, it's someone I knew before. Okay. Yeah. Actually, that's a really smart idea. Um, and I mean, for me, it was my partner, Dave's cousin, and she was out of work and she was a recent graduate. So it just kind of worked. And mm-hmm. it was also just like, you know, for me, it was just, this is going to be a test for me to figure out how to work with an assistant before I can get yeah. somebody who's like, not technically like an a related person. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice little trial run, but um, it's a really smart idea though, to, to see, you know, stay at home moms would be really great if you're looking for an assistant who isn't totally full time, because it can be really hard to try to figure out who am I going to get to just work these part-time hours for me yeah. five hours a week? Who mm-hmm. wants, you know, who wants that job? Pretty much. Yeah. And she didn't really need a job, so to speak, but you know, during nap time, she could, you know, make some phone calls for me or follow up on an order and things like that, that again, it wasn't the best use of my time. She could totally do it. She used a little app on her phone. It's called, um, hours tracker. Yep. I actually, do you use, I actually use that as well. I use toggle now, but I want to say I used to use hours tracker. No, I used to use my hours. I used a different one. So is that how she tells you what's going on and you plug into the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I tell her, I'm like, just use hours tracker, keep up with your time. And I'll just, you know, pay you at the end of the week for whatever you've done. And it's, it's working out. So, you know, as I grow, I'm sure 
I will need more help, but yeah. And so how does that work? Do you just pay her an hourly fee then? And she is you? Um, I pay her by the hour. So on the hours tracker, you can actually just do a little printout. She can just shoot that, that timesheet to me and I can just print it out and uh, enter it in QuickBooks and, you know, pay her that way. Yeah. Love it. Okay. I'm sure there's a fire way, but I'm sure there's totally an easier way. She could probably track. There's like, um, in QuickBooks, there is a timesheet. So she could log in that way and log out, but not everything she's doing is in QuickBooks. And I'm like, just use the app. It, yeah. it works for me right now. I'm sure there are other things that yep. probably work more efficiently, but yeah. And do you mind sharing with us how much an hour you're paying her? Um, I pay her like $10 an hour, yeah. you know, it's just like a personal assistant thing. Yeah. It's not like, well, yeah. I'm inspired. I'm, I'm going to look into doing something similar. I think it's, I think it's smart. I mean, it, you, there is just stuff like for me, it's returns because I'm a decorator. So I buy a lot of extra accessories and then I return it. And it's like, it can be like, I, and that's what I was using my assistant for before. Oh, that's smart. All in. But you know, that is not good use of my time. It's not, but you know what? I have the same thing. There's stuff in my car right now. Actually, I have to bring back from a restyling I did yesterday, but yeah, that's not the best use of my time. And sometimes it'll stay in my car for like three or four days and I drive by the store. I'm like, Oh, let me pull in here and return all these things. But yeah, yeah. I mean, but it is a little bit hard for her to do that for me being a stay at home mom. So, you know, it's like, "Mm." either I hire someone full-time that does all of those things and that's a bigger expense to me, or I just kind of pass off what I know is more difficult for me to deal with on a daily basis. And then I just keep, you know, there are some things grunt work that I have to do myself that I don't necessarily want to, but if I can delegate the rest of it, it's fine. Right. Um, Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question that this is like a total amateur question right now. (laughs) And um, it has to do with your renderings that you outsource. Um, So for me, renderings are just never really a thing that I need to do because again, I'm only doing decorating. But that being said, I do think that sometimes there's that client that they just cannot see it. Mm -hmm. and and it has nothing to do with renovations but they just cannot see it and I have a renderer that has been recommended to me but again this is a hundred percent an amateur question how do you communicate to a renderer Uh in order to get the rendering it's it's just like this block in my head so how what is the information that you need to relay to the renderer in order to get this picture that is the the interior of the home that I'm working on. Are you talking about like putting in like say drapes on a window and some accessories like maybe exactly. on exactly like right down to like recreating the room? Obviously, I get that they need measurements, but I guess like why don't you take me through like I do def- send yeah go ahead. You just tell me exactly like how does that what does that look like? What do you do? <laughs> well, this particular person, um, he's more like a draftsman that does um, new home drawings or renovations and that sort of thing. So he will do a floor plan for me, and then he'll put it into like a chief architect and in three yep. D it. And um, I can also give him a color palette, like I can give him a paint number through Ben Moore or anyone actually. He uses yep. quite a bit. And then he'll plug that paint color in on the wall. And then I'll just kind of back and forth through email. I'll tell him, you know, put a couple pendant lights in here and I'll send him an image of one maybe. Um, it usually doesn't turn out to be exact, the room. Right. And, but for the most part, it gives them an idea. Okay. You know, if it's just like a, a pole with straight panels on either side, it may not be the exact fabric, but it visually they get an idea of more or less what the finished product will look like. So as far as communicating that to him, I send him a picture of the room. I take a picture of the room and shoot that over to him. And then I'll send him some notes in there of what I want to see in the room and where I want it. And then we'll go back maybe once or twice and just edit that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, my mood boards usually help them more for that. Then um, because accessories, it's like, you know, it may end up being something from their house they already use. So it's kind of hard to plug accessory in there um, to make it look exactly like what they think it needs to look like, you know? Yeah, no, accessories for me too are like the final stage. And it's not like every item is not being approved before I purchase it and put it in your house. It's like, I yeah. just come in and do it when you're gone and you come home to the finished touch. But I, it's very rare, but every now and then there's a client where I'm like, a rendering for this person would really help. And 
And there's just been like this mental block for me. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand how like, just telling somebody like, you know, the, I see these renderings and they blow my mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just incredible. And you know, how do I just say, this is the, the piece of furniture that I want you to, and then, do they recreate that piece of furniture? Do they have a library? They find that piece? an item number, like, um, a, a, for instance, like, I don't know if y'all have Bassett furniture there. Do you have Bassett? No, but I, I've heard of it. Yeah. So I can go on Bassett's. I did this yesterday for someone and I just did this myself, but, um, sometimes depending on their price point, if I don't want to order from, you know, one of the lines I carry and have it shipped to one of the, the um, warehouses that are, that are going to receive it and then deliver it. And it just gets expensive and that's not her price point. So, um, Bassett, has on their program, like a, you can create a floor plan, you can specify the actual chair, you can put fabric on it, and then I can just print that out and give it to her. Right, right. And it yeah. just depends on the client. Like if they're willing to pay for all those renderings, you're like, okay, well, these are your options. You yeah. know, um, if you really want a rendering, it's going to take X amount of time and cost X amount of dollars. Or I can just, you know, show you all the samples and give you some visuals. Like I'll create you know, a little, um, like I said, mood board, or I'll go on to, you know, Pinterest or even just magazines, just create like a little, um, display for them or a visual for them that has the fabrics and the finishes and put it all out there. And they usually can get an idea from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Like 99% of the time, I feel like it's just every now and then I'm like this, this person would I just can't, yeah. I just can't get to the yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. know what you mean. It's yeah. just one of those things. Okay. Um, we're going to move into another, thank you so much for sharing all that. We're not going to talk about installation because we're running out of time and I don't want to, I want to be um, obviously respectful of your time. Um, can you share a little bit with, with us, if you're comfortable, how your pricing model works? how my pricing model works for my time or yeah, for, so do you for do everything flat fees? No, okay. like mostly, yeah. For your time. Do you do flat fees? Do you do hourly? How do you do that? Um, it's, I feel like that almost changes because like I was, I was saying, as I'm growing and trying to find, um, more of that certain avatar client, you know, yeah. that the one area that I want to concentrate on, um, I have recently turned some things down cause I'm like, I just don't, that's not what I want to do. Yep. So um, I'll do um, initial consultation for like an hour and a half. Um, and that's like $150. I'll charge for initial consultation at 60 to 90 minutes. Um, and everyone's different and, you know, price points are different. So um, that just kind of gives me the scope of the project. And I meet with them at their house. And then um, depending on the project, I'll charge an hourly rate. Like if it's just draperies or restyling or whatever, then I charge an hourly rate and I'll charge for when I'm out shopping for the product, whenever I'm installing it, everything. And then like on, if it's custom orders, like fabrics and um, hardware and those sorts of things, since I have accounts there, then I give them a discount from retail. Yep. Um, Not much, but I mean, it's like 10 or 15% or whatever off of retail. Um, And then, um, if it's a big renovation project, I charge a percentage of the project. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. if it's, um, you know, like a $60,000 renovation, um, typically in this area, contractors charge like 20 to 25% based on how much administrative work they're going to do. So if you're paying all the trades and the customer's paying you and then you're paying all the trades, then I will charge them a little larger percentage because you're doing the admin work. But if the customer is going to be paying the trades, then I'll charge them maybe 20% because I'm still, you know, overseeing the project there every day. So renovations are typically a percentage and then just restyling and consultations and that sort of thing is an hourly rate. And so what does that look like for you then? Do you just, if you're on an hourly rate, do you request a retainer up front that you keep like, or do you Mm -hmm. just bill out every week? I actually bill monthly. I have found that... Um, in talking to customers, they're not comfortable with a retainer all the time. And, and they've told me before I've worked with other designers and they've asked for this like $2,000 retainer. And then all of a sudden they're out of money and I'm not really sure what I got for that. And so I have found I've got a little bit of negative um, feedback from those retainers and I've never charged a retainer. So I charge that initial consultation and then I charge them. Um, I build them monthly for my time. 
it seems to work out because honestly, I just don't have the time to sit down every week and do invoicing. Yeah, it's not. Mm-mm. So I just do it monthly and I keep the hours tracker. I mean, I go off my calendar. I, I know there are probably better ways of doing this. And I've heard other people talk about programs they use. And I'm sure as I grow, I will look into different types of organization processes of keeping track of time. Um, but my bookkeeper's like, hey, that's working. You have this and you have that. So I just, I do what I'm told by the bookkeeper. <laughs> like, invoice monthly I'm like yes ma'am got it yeah Uh, that's okay so when you're when you're doing even if it's a smaller project for example where you are billing hourly do you ever find Mm -hmm. the clients are like well how long do you think it'll take oh yeah they'll usually ask that they do or they don't they do and like for instance I did one this week and it was just a restyle and so I went out bought some things and I knew her budget she didn't want to order from the lines I carried and I knew that she just wanted like home goods just fix it kind of thing. And I'm fine with that. And I know typically just having done it, you kind of get an idea of how long it's going to take you. So I will probably, I will bill her just because it only took me like two or three days. So I'll bill her because I'm at the end of the project. Yeah. So if it's someone I know I'm going to be with for a couple of months, then I do bill them monthly. So, um, yes, they have asked me, well, how long do you think this is going to take? And so I always tell them, well, it just depends on how fast you make decisions. <laughs> yes, it's so true. <laughs> because right? I tell them that, you know, I tell them they're the driver of this project because if we can sit down and we can knock out our decisions fairly quickly, then we can execute quickly. But if it's going to take them a while to mull it around, then it's going to take longer. Yeah. So I'm always sitting on go. So I tell them it's going to be as long as it takes you to make your decisions and I will purchase these things. I'll put them in the house, yay or nay them. And then, you know, I'll be done. Yeah. So yeah, they usually do. I try to give them, you know, I'll tell them that. And then I'll say, if I feel like I know the project, okay, well, this will take two days. You're looking at six or eight hours. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. Do you, do you ever source furniture for clients as well? No, I do. It, like I said, depends on the project. I mean, some of them are super custom. And um, the good thing about living where I do, I can run down to the decorative center, bring my client there. They can sit in the different pieces, you know, especially if it's custom, like, you know, choosing the arm, choosing the feel of the cushion, choosing the fabric and that sort of thing. I can take them there and we can sit in the, in the product and then, you know, we can order it. So, yeah. And do you bill for the time to specify the furniture and then you do a markup as well, or do you just do markup? No, if I'm, if I am out in the field with them and I'm, I will, I charge for my time for every second that I am working on that project. And I might be at a fabric store working on two or three people at a time, pulling fabrics for all of them. They're each getting billed. Exactly. I'm with you. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that, I mean, we're coming up to about an hour now. So is there anything else that I didn't ask you in regards to some of the topics we talked about that you wish I had that you could share? Or do you think we covered a lot of it? I think we covered a lot and I hope that I was able to shine some light on some things for you. Um, I know there are other systems out there and, and I'm looking into uh, like my Doma and those sorts of things to kind of as I grow. But like I said, I find that I'm in a little different niche market in like I do more of the dirty work in the construction because I really find that that is more satisfying to me yeah and as I grow in the years of um, being in design I really want to focus more on the aspects of design that I enjoy and get the most satisfaction from so I probably don't do things the way a lot of other people do you know what <laughs> like, to be honest I- it's different everywhere, right? It's, it is. I mean, like I still have the old school paper calendar, you know, but it yeah. works for me. Hey, I look at, check me out. I, this is how I write my to do's for the week. So it's I like, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have a, it's a whole thing, but no, I, right. I just think it's important to be able to hear all the different ways people do things. And there's nuggets from everybody that we can learn from. And mm-hmm. to be honest, for me, just hearing some of the things that you said made me feel Because sometimes what happens is we're in these groups and we see people talking about certain things and you start to do the comparison thing and you start to think, oh my God, like I'm not where I should be. And, you know, you talked a little bit about your early years and how you felt and that the Mm -hmm. first year was chaos. And 
the fact that you tell me that your first year felt like chaos makes me feel better that my first year felt like chaos or felt like whatever. And obviously helps other people feel the same way as well. And, um, just knowing that, you know, you're juggling four clients, you figured out that your sweet spot is four clients at four projects at once. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, it helps, it just helps me figure things out for myself as well. So why don't you share with everybody what your website is and any social media channels that you frequent? Okay. Well, my website um, is is brand new in the works. I had one that I tried to build myself and it looked okay for the time being. But now that I'm growing, I feel like, and actually in building my new website, I have, I've hired someone that's something else that I've contracted out okay. um, that I've learned through my like kind of coaching group. So I have uh, someone building my website. It's actually a team. And so it's really helped me kind of fine tune because I have that list of services. I have what each of those services are. They'll be able to go to the website and make their schedule. They'll schedule the appointment through there. And um, then they'll also be able to pay for that initial consultation, which, cause I usually build that right when I get there, I usually yeah. send an invoice or something. So um, my, my website will be showcasemikasainteriors.com. Um, and that will probably, I'm doing a lot of photo shoots on all my projects in the next couple of weeks. And so that'll be launching in about 30 days, um, awesome. fresh and new. So I'm excited about that. And then on Facebook, I'm on Showcase Mikasa and then um, Instagram, Showcase Mikasa. Love it. Well, thank you again so much for being here with me. And I hope that you have an awesome weekend. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I hope I was um, getting some information that was helpful to everyone. Yes. And I've just learned throughout the years that as you learn and grow, you just build that confidence and then meeting with that initial consultation with the client and having that confidence and knowing what you're doing and comfortable there, that they'll believe in you and let you roll with it. I love that. That's great advice. All right. Good luck with your podcast. I think that's awesome. Thank you. I said, I don't know that I could do that. I don't know if I can either. We'll see. You're doing great. I'm like a podcast junkie. I'm always plugged in. So, um, I listen to the before you go, then what are some podcasts you recommend? Cause I love podcasts too. And um, I love new ones. So I have been in Jennifer Allwood's coaching group for a while. Okay. I don't know she, who that is. Um, she has really good, I mean, she was really helpful in the beginning because, you know, as a creative, sometimes you kind of have your self-confidence is like, I'm all over the place. I'm like, Oh, squirrel, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. And so she really talks you through that and is like, no, you're not crazy. That's how you're wired. That's the way you work. This is, this is how you function. And this is, you know, she kind of leads you in that direction and she coaches creative entrepreneurs. Oh, and so I joined her. Yeah, I was, I've been in her group for a while and some of the creatives are like DIYers, furniture painters, that sort of thing. She has a podcast. Um, and then of course, um, Do you Luann know what Nigeria. the podcast name is? Uh, Jen, I think it's Jennifer Allwood. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course I always listen to Luann Nigera's. Um, yes. do you listen okay. to her? Yeah. Yeah. I love her. And then I love a uh, business boutique. Oh, that's not one I know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. And Look then I like Amy Porterfield. Same. She's the very first podcast I ever listened to in my entire life. Really? Um, she, I think she probably was mine too. That's so and funny. I love, I love Gold Digger. G-O-A-L. Gold Don't know that one. Uh, now I ain't saying she a gold digger. But she ain't messing with no broke.